0: Good morning. If you have your Bible with you this morning, if you want to go ahead and open it to John chapter 20, we'll be in John chapter 20 this morning. Uh, Several of the disciples, um, they're very well known. Books could be and have been written about Peter, about John, and even Judas. But of some of the others, uh, we seem to know very little about. And I want to look at what the Bible has to say about one of these lesser known Disciples. I want us to look at the life of a disciple named Thomas. And we know next to nothing about this man's life, his call to follow Jesus. Um, the fact that he went fishing with the other disciples in John 21 tells us that he possibly was a fisherman, but we don't know. The name Thomas, it's Aramaic for twin. And his other name, Didymus, it's Greek for twin. Um, Thomas had a twin, but we don't know who they are. It's not identified in the Bible. Some people think that Thomas and Matthew were twins since they're always mentioned together in the list of the apostles. But we don't even know that for sure. Thomas only appears in 12 verses in all four gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only time he's actually mentioned is in the lists of the disciples. Uh, he's also mentioned in Acts chapter one, verse three, on the day of Pentecost with the others in the upper room. Um, eight of the verses that mention Thomas are actually in John's gospel. He's mentioned in John 11:16 and John 14:5. In both of those instances, John actually records his words. In John 21, too, Thomas is listed as one of the seven disciples that went fishing after the resurrection of Jesus. And the other five verses, because if you were counting, there's 12, are in our passage for today. Now, for 2,000 years, Tommy, he's got a little bit of bad press. He was inclined to ask hard questions. He wanted proof. And for that, he's earned the unfortunate nickname of Dowling Thomas. He's been portrayed as a man who was filled with doubts, who was filled with fear, and I really want to try to set the record straight this morning because the Bible, I think, displays a very different side of him. See, his primary problem, it wasn't doubting. Tommy, Tommy was a pessimist. He, he was one of those glass-half-empty kind of people. He, he was the kind of person who was always on the lookout for the negative side of any situation. And as we look at what Scripture has to say about Thomas, I want you to see that he possessed some very, 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 very good qualities as well. Um, he was loyal to Jesus. He loved Jesus. He had an inquiring spirit. He was skeptical, but he had the right kind of skepticism. It was a skepticism that was open to belief. And I want us to look and see how the Lord worked in his life to move him from doubting to shouting. So let's pray, and we'll jump right into our text for this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time of worship that we've had. Uh, Thank you that we are so freely able to worship you. And Lord, I just ask this morning as we gather together in your name, that, that we feel your presence among us, that, that your word, that it is brought to life in our lives, and that, Lord, we're drawn closer to you, drawn closer to your mission to reach the world with the gospel, with the good news of your son. And Father, ultimately, I want our lives changed, that we're not the same people that walked in the door this morning, that maybe if we were doubting or skeptical, that we know the truth, That your son, Jesus, is the only way. It's the only way to find hope, to find forgiveness, to have a future, and to know you personally. Lord, thank you for your son, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. So John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 24. The text, God's word says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, the first thing I want us to look at concerning Thomas is let's look at Thomas the powder. Let's look at Thomas the powder. Uh, We're told that Thomas wasn't with the other disciples the first time that Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. And in verses 19 to 23, the the disciples are afraid. They're hiding in an upper room because Jesus is dead. They had heard the rumors that he was alive, and they wanted to believe it was true, but they didn't. And Jesus suddenly appears in the room with them. And those disciples who were present, they went from fear to faith. But there was one disciple missing, though, wasn't there? Thomas. Thomas was probably off by himself, having his own private pity party. And the other disciples probably wanted him to hide out with him. But Tommy Tommy just wanted to be left alone, and he was going to pout by himself. Jesus was dead and he was filled with grief. And we don't know where he was that day, but, but look at two examples that are given in the Bible that reveal his heart might help us discover the answer. Now, Jesus, Jesus loved people. He invested in individuals from a wide range of social, political, and economic standing, and one of the families that he had befriended during the course of his ministry it, it, there were two sisters Mary and Martha and they had a brother whose name was Lazarus and Jesus and Lazarus they were close friends and, and the news that they got it was bad Lazarus was very very sick on the edge of death and Jesus does this curious thing instead of rushing to his friend's aid he waited He waited two more days before he went back to Berea, to Judea. And the disciples, they didn't want to go back. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going there. The Jewish leaders, they want to kill Jesus. There's a bounty on his head. They put a price on him. The disciples thought it was best not to go back and tempt fate. And Jesus says, no, I have to go back. I have to go back." Even though the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him, he says, I have to. And he says, I'm not going to sneak around in the dark, I'm going to go in broad daylight. He had a mission. He had to give a friend a wake-up call, and he would give his disciples an opportunity to believe. So they're just staring at each other, going back. If they go back to Judea, it's a, they're facing the possibility of arrest, of execution. And verse 16 in John 11 tells us Tommy's reaction. It says So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. And they went. The rest of the disciples followed his courageous leadership and went back to Bethany where they witnessed Jesus' most amazing and spectacular miracles. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And what we find there is that Thomas, that he loved Jesus enough to be willing to die for him. And the next picture that we see, is in John 14. Now, at that point, Jesus' ministry, it's in full swing. Everything's going full force. The disciples, they've witnessed the raising of the dead. They've seen him heal the deaf and the blind. He's fed 5,000 people. They are on a roll. And Rome Rome better be, they just be better scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus talking to the disciples switches gears and says, I'm going to be leaving you guys. He, he says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I can imagine. Can you, can you imagine what they're talking about, what they're whispering? What's he talking about? Where could he be going? What, 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 what's going on? We're, we're, we're taking the world on. And finally, Thomas asks the question, that everybody else was afraid to ask. In John 14, 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Basically, what he's saying, Jesus, what are you talking about? Everything's going great. Everything is going so well, and now you're talking about leaving? Why, Why in the world would you leave now? Where could you go? I don't understand what you're talking about. If you don't give us a map, how do we know which direction to take? I'm so confused. I've left everything so I can follow you. Please tell us the way. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him and say, Why don't you know? He didn't make light of his confusion. And because Thomas asked for an explanation, he asked for clarification, Jesus gives him one of the most memorable responses in Scripture. John fourteen six. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And maybe today, maybe this morning, you have some questions. Maybe they're hard questions. Maybe they're difficult. It doesn't necessarily mean if you have questions that you're doubting God. Tommy, he just needed more information. He needed more clarity. He, he, he needed some light shed on his fuzzy thinking and understanding. And these two passages, they reveal a man who's not afraid. He is not scared. Thomas, to me, seems extraordinarily brave. He's loyal to Jesus, even if it means death. He loves Jesus more than his own life, and he would rather die than to live without his Lord. And then came that Friday. And Jesus was nailed to a cross, and he died, and he was buried. In Tommy's life, his world, it was shattered. And he surely thought the worst. He, He probably became despondent, he became depressed, he was discouraged. He was not with the other disciples the first time Jesus appeared by choice. He was there because he was broken hearted. He felt that their dream, their mission had come to an end. Thomas was somewhere else on that first resurrection Sunday. But whatever his reason was for missing the meeting that day, Thomas missed something important because he wasn't there, didn't he? Whatever his excuse for not being there, he missed some things that would never, ever be duplicated. Others told him about it. They said Jesus was here. And Thomas learned, he learned the hard way that there are some things that you just have to see and experience for yourself. The first time Jesus had appeared, Thomas was absent. Thomas missed Jesus because he missed the meeting understand that God speaks every time that His Word is opened. God speaks every time His name is praised. The problem, the problem is so hard. It's so hard for us to hear God speak when you've decided to attend Bedside Baptist or, or, or Mattress Methodist or Lazy Boy Lutheran or, or Our Lady of the Sheets. Thomas... Thomas is a good picture of why being faithful and attending church, it's so important. You never, ever know what you're going to miss when you don't come. People have all kinds of excuses for missing, don't they? Uh, We we live in a day and an age when people are busy, lives are hectic, children, they're busy with sports and activities, and sometimes, sometimes God fails to get first place in our priorities. And then sometimes God doesn't rate second, or third, or fourth. And sometimes He doesn't even make the top 10. Some some don't come just because they're mad. They're mad about a decision that was made. They were mad because somebody else there they don't like. Some just don't like the preacher. People have all kinds of reasons why they don't attend church. There's a story about a husband and wife. It's Sunday morning. She's getting ready for church and she walks out into the living room because it's almost time to leave. And her husband, he's sitting on the couch still in his pajamas. And she's like, what are you doing? We got to leave. Church starts in 15 minutes. We're going to be late. He says, I'm not going today. Well, why aren't you going to church? He says, I just don't want to. And she said... Give me one good reason why you're not going today. And he said, First, that entire congregation, they are cold. There is no life there. Number two, nobody in that church, they they, nobody even likes me. And number three, I just don't want to go. And the wife said, Well, honey, I have three good reasons why you should go today. She goes, First, There are some warm people there. They're not as cold as you think you are. And number two, there's even some people that like you. Number three, you're the pastor, so get dressed and go. Sorry to tell that, Angie. (laughs) We all have our excuses. But none of them, none of those excuses are worth the effort it takes to say them. See, an excuse... An excuse is nothing more than the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Why not just tell the truth? You don't come because you don't want to. You don't, be, you don't come because Jesus, He's not first in your life. You you don't come because you just don't like church. You don't come because your heart isn't where it should be. And when you're not in church, it's a vote to close the doors. It's a testimony to the world around you that your life is more important than his worship. And when you miss a service, you're gonna miss an opportunity that'll never be repeated. The problem that you have, that need in your life, the question that's been plaguing you, it just might be dealt with that day. Dealt with that day that you choose to miss. You never know what you're going to miss if you don't come to church. So I would encourage you to make a commitment to be here for every service with your ears open to hear what God has to say. See, we see Thomas the powder. Next, I want us to look at Thomas the doubter. Let's look at Thomas the doubter. It's been a week. It's been a week since the first appearance of Jesus to the disciples, and they are gathered again in an upper room, this time to pray. And Thomas was there. Uh, maybe he was sick of them nagging, Tommy, come on. You're still our friend. Come on. Maybe the initial shock of the crucifixion had worn off, and he just needed to be back with his friends. Can you imagine Andy? He's out there. He's running up to Tommy. He's saying, "But Tommy, you won't believe this. Jesus, he's appeared to us. He's alive. And I just think Thomas would have been like, Andy, you know, we've been friends a long time. I've known you most of my life, and I care about you. But I want you to listen to me. Jesus is dead. I saw his body. I saw him get buried. He's dead. Do you hear me? It's over. All of our dreams, they're dead too, just like him. And sure you can say that you've seen him. Uh, Yeah, I I heard he's working down at, at Burger King with Elvis. I don't care what the women are saying. They're just emotional. I thought I knew you better than this. I miss him too. And when he died, part of me died. Just leave me alone. And then he adds, rather sarcastically, Unless I see the marks in his hands where those nails were, and unless he lets me touch his side where that spear went in, I'm not going to believe it. And before we're too hard on Thomas... We need to remember an important thing. First, the other disciples, they didn't believe until they'd seen. They had seen the empty tomb. They saw that it was empty. They heard what the women had to say, that the tomb's empty. We saw him. They heard that the disciples that had been on the road to Emmaus who had spent time with him. All those stories had fallen on deaf ears. And here was Thomas's problem. He was a negative person. He, he, he was always out there looking for the cloud behind the silver lining. He had hoped against hope that Jesus was the Messiah. He had hoped that Jesus was the Savior. And now his last memory of Christ is a dead man hanging on a cross. His entire world, it had fallen down around him. And he can't bring himself to believe anymore. And maybe you can identify with Thomas. You've had a hard time believing what you can't see with your eyes because of what you've put off. You've just you, you just keep putting off trusting Jesus. Maybe maybe your life it's been shaken by one disappointment after another. You've become disillusioned. And because of that, you think the claims of Jesus, they're just too good to be true. But the thing that makes them so good. It's the fact that they are true. Jesus can do for you what he's promised. And he can do for you what he's done for others. He can save your soul. He can forgive your sins. He can free you from that spiritual death and bondage of your sins. He can do it for you. And he will if you'll only believe in him and trust him. I mean, there was a time all of us were doubters. There was a time I was a doubter. But the Spirit convicted me of the truth. And just like those ten disciples, I believed and I was saved. And that can be yours too, if you'll just believe. I got a (coughs) cough. I'm sorry. We see Thomas the powder, the doubter, And finally, Thomas the Shouter. Let's look at Thomas the Shouter. Verses 26 and 27 tell us eight days later. I guess that's a week, isn't it? Never mind. Don't like the Beatles. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. (laughs) and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. He repeats Tommy's words back to him, and he invites him to touch him and satisfy his need to know the truth. And Jesus says, let go of your doubts and trust what you know is true. I I guess something we probably should do is we need to, to define doubt. What is doubt? Uh, Many many people believe that doubt is the opposite of faith, and that's not true. The opposite of faith, it's unbelief. And there is a big, big difference between doubting and unbelieving. Doubt is a problem in the intellect. it's, It's the person they want to believe, but they have questions. And unbelief is a problem of the heart. Unbelief will not believe no matter what it sees. And Thomas was plagued by doubt. And when his questions were answered, he didn't need to touch Jesus. It doesn't say he did. Just seeing him was enough. And then Tommy shouts one of the most amazing and most memorable confessions in the Bible. He says, my Lord and my God. First Thomas calls him, my Lord. It's way of of him saying, I surrender to you completely. You are the Lord of my life. You are the leader of my heart. And then he says something that would have been unheard of, incredible for any good Jewish boy to say. He calls Jesus, my God. Thomas, the one that we call the doubter, understood the resurrection better than all the other disciples. Jesus is raised. He is Lord. He is God. And Thomas applies two of the Old Testament names for God to Jesus. And as a Jew, it would be considered blasphemous. He could have been punished by death. See, Jesus challenged Thomas to act on his belief despite his doubts. And he's gentle. He he doesn't belittle him. He doesn't attack him because he's doubting. Jesus moves Thomas from doubt to faith. See, you need to understand that that belief doesn't imply perfection. Perfection just a continual trust in Jesus. And all of his doubts and all of his pouts are finally settled. And it changed, it changed Thomas forever. Thomas, Thomas would never doubt again. And after Pentecost, the Bible mentions him no more. Tradition, however, tells us that Thomas, that he traveled east, that he preached the gospel through Persia, and finally wound up in India, where he had a fruitful ministry. And eventually, the enemies of the gospel took Thomas and killed him with a spear. And Thomas died for the Lord that he once doubted. If only those who doubt could do what Thomas did, If only you could get past your doubts, your fears, your pride, your sins, and the other things that are keeping you away from him. And if you would, if you would just come to him, you would find that Jesus, that he can fill your life with peace, with joy, praise, and blessing. And He can take you just the way that you are today, and He can transform you just like He did Thomas. And He will use you, and He will bless you, and He will keep you, and He will thrill you and amaze you. All you have to do is believe. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, where you've been, you need to know that Jesus Christ, that, that He can save you if you'll just come to Him. Come to him and watch him take your pouts and your doubts and change them into shouts. Verse 29 tells us, some, tells us something that we need to hear today. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. He's saying, Thomas, you're, you're good. You've, you believe because you've seen it with your own eyes. And then he says that those who believe without seeing are even more blessed than Thomas. And that is good news today. None of us will probably see the physical person of Jesus in this life. But what we need to do is to believe by faith that what the Bible says about Jesus is true. And if we can get past our doubts and believe him, will be saved by him this morning as the worship team comes maybe today you're doubting and you're struggling and you just don't know that this whole Jesus thing that it's true but it is Jesus came into this world some 2000 years ago he lived a perfect sinless life he died on a Roman cross. He was buried and on that third day, raised back to life, putting paid to the debt of our sins, of my sins, of your sins. He died for the sins of the world, and all he asks is for us to put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. And in, in return, he promises us eternal life, a place with him in heaven, and an eternity of worship and praise. And all it takes is trust. Put your faith in Him. And maybe today you, you, you do know Christ, and, and you've been doubting, and, you, and you've had th- those concerns. They don't disqualify you. Thomas doubted, but Thomas got to the point where he knew that none of that mattered, that he, Jesus, that He would use Him just as He was, because He doesn't call the equipped. God equips those He calls. And if He's called you, like He's called all of us to serve Him, He'll use you, and He'll give you what you need to achieve His purposes. So, this morning, as, as we sing a song, I encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, get rid of those doubts, and put your faith and your trust and your hope in Him today. And if you think that you need more, spend more time in His Word. Make a commitment to be here. Don't let Him take second place in your life. Maybe you feel that this is, this church family here at Highland Hills is where God has called you to be a part of, to be a member, um, to serve on mission with, with the other believers that gather here. You can do that today too, but don't leave here. Don't leave here without knowing Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and I encourage you, get rid of those doubts and trust Him and Him alone. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the hope that we have in your Son, Jesus thank you that even when we doubt, that you're still there for us, that that you don't just cast us aside, but you keep reaching out to us, offering us that hope in life that we can only find in you. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning, that Lord, that you've touched their hearts, that you've eased those doubts, and that Lord, that you encourage each of us to trust you personally, and to serve you courageously, to get rid of that fear and those concerns, and live life committed to you, no matter the cost. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for just the amazing gift that he's given us. And Lord, just thank you for being who you are, a loving God, who looks not to do us evil, but to bring us hope and a future and a place. You're so amazing, Lord, and I just thank you for everything. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.